Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, baseball playoffs starting. We are on opening day of the baseball playoffs here on the Mike Abadir Show. I am Gino Bacola, and we will be talking some NFL a little later on. We'll get you those weekly picks. But, Mike, right now our focus has to be on MLB. I think that that Friday of the first round of the MLB playoffs is maybe one of the most underrated sports days when you get all four of those games. Very rarely do you have a baseball day where it starts early and baseball is the focus all throughout the day. We see it in football. We see it in basketball, college basketball. We see it with the NCAA tournament. But I think this is a really underrated sports weekend when we get this beginning of the baseball playoffs. Well, first of all, I think baseball would have a little bit of a beef with uh, calling today the opening because we had those wild card matchups. We'll, which oh, we'll get no, into. You're, you're right, man. You're yeah. right. We'll get wow. into that in a, in a minute, but I kind of view it the same way. It's kind of like with March Madness. I don't view the play play in games yeah. as really yeah. the first round. The same thing. These really are play in games, and we'll spend some time talking about those, you and I, as well as with our uh, first had, baseball guest, we Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Games this year, really. Yeah, but which here's the thing. And, 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 and we kind of had an informal one with game 163, too. So much to talk about. Yeah, but, that's what I meant with the double, with the double play in games, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got you. So here's the thing about tomorrow, and I'm super, super psyched about it, but I wish they would kind of spread out the times a little bit more because I don't like that there's more. overlap. I agree. I'd love it to no, be well, all Don't day, make me choose. No overlap. Yeah, unless somebody's got multiple TVs or is or as at, at a sports bar. There's there's going to be some choice having to be made there. You know what I mean? So, yep. And I think all of them are just as intriguing to me. I mean, each matchup is fantastic. Man, I agree. I think, you know, in particular, we have a couple different dynamics. Like in the National League, it feels like it's kind of the new – a lot of the new faces, right? We yeah. have the Rockies. We have the Brewers. We have the Braves. And then we have the Dodgers as the old guard. And then it, it almost feels like two different worlds. And then you have the American League where it seems like – this, these have really been the big boppers all throughout the year. You have the more proven teams where you have, you know, last year's champs in the, in the Astros. You have the Indians, who are probably one of the more experienced teams in all of the playoffs right now. A good Yankees team that kind of had their growing pains last year. And then the best team in baseball all throughout the year was the Red Sox. So this well, is not the same. Yeah, it's the same Final Four as last year uh, in the AL. The yeah. only difference in, in terms of the playoff field was uh, swap the A's out for the Twins. Yeah, right? and, a little so, home, and a little home field here and there. But, yeah, it's – I mean, that American League, it really does look loaded. And well, I guess let's start there then because, you, you know, you're a Red Sox fan. So when you watch this game last night, you and I were talking a little bit before the game and you're asking kind of, okay, who am I rooting for? You know, it, when you're a Red Sox fan, were you rooting for the Yankees? Were you rooting for the A's? So when you watch the game now moving forward, what are your feelings on Red Sox versus the Yankees? My feelings haven't changed just because the Yankees won the game sure. in terms of, you know, I really was on the fence between who would be a more difficult matchup between the A's and the Yankees. You know, like, let's strip aside the Yankees history, the lore, all that kind of stuff. I thought they both would pose difficult matchups for the Red Sox. And the one advantage that each team has is a stellar bullpen. 
Now, with respect to this matchup in particular, I do kind of think that the Yankees are a one-trick pony, right? They're a home run hitting team. They're a slugging team. But And I remember sharing some of those numbers with you yesterday. You know, they're not at the top of the AL in all hitting categories. It's sure. mainly just in home runs, right? And it was kind of cool, by the way, seeing both the big guys yesterday go deep. Kind of maybe getting you know, out of their system. <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully. But but to me, I mean, here's the thing: I always like to see the best teams. When I when I'm a fan of a team, I kind of don't want to ever there to be a cheap asterisk next to you know they had an easy route there or whatever. I want them to, if the Yankees are the best team, to go through the Yankees, and if the Astros are the best team, you know, to have to beat the Astros. Simple as that, you know. But I think it's going to be an interesting matchup in a lot of different ways that maybe people haven't talked about, which mainly is going to be the starting pitchers. I mean, everybody's yeah, be focused on the, the, the bullpens, the Red Sox kind of inability late in the season to be able to, to shut the teams down with a lead uh, until you got to Kimbrel, of course. Um, but really it's, it's going to be about the starters for the Yankees and the starters for the Red Sox. Severino's already kind of out of the way. So I don't know when he's going to be able to pitch the next game, game three, I think, is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah, so, so how do you how do the Boston uh, Red Sox rotation set up for the first couple of games? I mean, remember this is a five game series, so you're yeah. gonna go sale sale and price. So you're not gonna get to Severino. You might be up 2-0 by the time you see Severino, and the and the Red Sox haven't exactly struggled against him either. He's either been lights out or really really crappy against the Red Sox. It's one of those things where you just don't know who's gonna show up. So by then that might be a 2-0 proposition going for a sweep, possibly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And I do think that price is pitched that lights out down the stretch. And, um, you know, we look at the rest of the National League, and it, it's kind of one thing that you had mentioned last week. There, there aren't very many dominant starting pitchers over on the National League start of things, uh, the National League side of things. So when we, we look at the American League, who from the, the Yankees – Starting pitching wise, does any of any of them scare you as a Red Sox fan? I mean, who are who are you most terrified on the Yankee staff? I don't know if any team, uh, any pitcher on that team would would be terrifying. I mean, put it to you this way: they still haven't even decided who's pitching tomorrow. They yep. haven't announced it yet, and I don't it's, think it's one. You'd of those imagine it's going to be Hap. I think I think it's going to be Hap. I think it's going to be too, but it's one of the. It's not one of those things where you know oh, we don't want to let anybody know who the starting quarterback is going to be next week, so that you don't game plan. I really think that they're not sure. You know, no, I don't think it's one of those things where they're not trying to give you know a scouting report advantage, so to speak. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I guess Hap would uh, Sabathia. I mean. Tanaka, yeah, maybe I, Tanaka. I guess Tanaka would Tanaka probably be, Yeah, Tanaka probably Tanaka Hap. would be the most scary, I guess. Um, so, I mean, Sonny Gray has been lousy. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been in and out of the bullpen, even only like making some spot start down the stretch. And it would, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. They don't really have a terrifying starting rotation. Their bullpen's pretty good. And, you know, if they hit the ball and they start to get hot, they could be a little bit scary. But I think you mentioned a key thing is they can hit home runs – but they're, I think, a streaky team in that they're not necessarily a team that gives you the best at bats, right? No. They're not not a team that necessarily will, you know, work a count seven or eight pitches and then the next hitter comes up and does the same thing. They're a team that may strike out on three or four pitches a lot of time. And then when they connect, they're very scary and they're in trouble. And you got to remember that they have six, seven, eight guys that can legitimately beat you with a long ball at any time. But I do, I do kind of like the point you were making they may, in a series, 
they may be a team that you can kind of really find some of their weaknesses and exploit them, um, you know, versus when you play teams that have maybe just hitters that aren't home run hitters, but a little bit more disciplined and better hitters, they might make you work a little bit more. They, they're the hitters that I think of as like the Justin Turners of the world that are tough in the playoffs because they just, they kind of get through that pitcher and get you into the next pitcher and make you have to bring in another guy. So it'll be interesting to see. That's a great uh, analogy, by the way. I love that analogy. The Red Sox are full of it, uh, you know, like, like Justin Turner types, really good professional hitters. They work the count and the Red Sox. I mean, they were in the top five in home runs. I think they were fourth in the American league in home runs. They were, uh, you know, in the top two in, in doubles top two in stolen bases. Actually, they led the league in doubles. They were second in stolen bases. So they could do a lot of different things. They work the count. They draw a lot of walks. They're, they're just not a one-trick pony. It's not a home run or nothing type of team. It's a team that really can beat you in a lot of different ways offensively. And it's for that reason that I think that this is probably going to be a uh, – they're going to make quick work, quick work of the Yankees. I know there's a lot of Yankee fans out there that will disagree. And I even read one article saying that the Yankees actually might be the favorite in this series. That just overhyping the Yankees and the name and the 27 championships. The Red Sox are the team to beat in the American League. And in my mind, this is not a series that's going to pose a huge threat to the Red Sox. I don't see it going five games. Yeah, what what would be scary is that if this was a tough series, because I think the other series, regardless of who wins and regardless of um, what happens in that Red Sox Yankee? That I think that's going to be a really tough series when you have the Indians and the Astros, uh, two teams who have been there. I mean, the Indians were right there and out and out away from winning what in an uh, extra innings, and the Astros were you know there last year, and they might even have a better starting rotation than they did last year when they won the World Series. So, man, real heavyweight heavyweights in the uh, in the AL playoffs. I think that's going to be a really fun matchup, and I think you know everyone will jump on. Houston, because they've been the sexy team all year, but Cleveland's kind of a sleeping giant. They've they've been in a really bad division. They've had like a 10-game, 15-game lead all the way through. They've been able to really just kind of cruise and make a couple moves down the stretch and really kind of dictate the way they want uh, their team to get set up going into the playoffs. So, I mean, that's going to be a fun matchup there. I think every game should be a, a real, real interesting game with two deep lineups. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. If I could shift gears for one one quick second here, which is I do want to talk about something uh, that we've seen, and, and I don't know if we're going to see it in any of the other matchups or not. Um, and I, I made a notation here that I wanted to make sure to get it in uh, before we uh, connect with Kyle, which is about the opener versus the starter. Ron Darling in the broadcast yesterday made a really, really good point, and he said that, if you're asking for six or seven guys to be perfect or near perfect. I agreed with that. You, did you hear that? Too many variables. Too many variables. You know, you have so many guys that have to come in. They have to do everything right. Then the next guy and not even doing everything right. Then you have to deal with a lot of these pitchers who haven't been in the moment before. You know, at least some of your starting pitchers have pitched in big games generally they go deep into games some of these middle relievers they've never pitched in a big playoff game in their life in an atmosphere that was you know at yankee stadium like that i I thought that was a good point and a good kind of nugget to pull from the broadcast yeah no no doubt about that so are there any other teams that are expecting to use an opener do you think do you think maybe the the rockies or the brewers go that route i 
don't think so. I think they've all made their decisions at least right now. I think that this is one of those things where if the games get into extra innings going forward, it might be the Rockies who have to do that because you know they played Monday and then they came back and played Tuesday, or they came back. Yeah, they came back. They played back to back nights, so their their arms might be. You know, as far as the starters are concerned, too, they might be a little bit more wear and tear on that bull- on that bullpen and that staff than some of the others. But um, you know, as we're, we're talking about pitching, and we're kind of making our transition from the American League over into the National League. I was, you know, very surprised, and I, I know I think we, you know, we can we can talk about this as we bring our first guest in because I think we have him uh, on with us. Mike, you want to introduce our first? Yeah, guest? let's let's do that. Let's bring him in. So, uh, first guest, great baseball mind, great writer. If you've ever seen his work uh, covering the MLB prospects, you know, he's got the minors uh, on lockdown in terms of uh, each team's top prospects and rating them and a lot of good work for Baseball America. He's also been seen on the MLB network. We're talking about Kyle Glazer. Kyle, good morning. How are you? Hey, Kyle. Doing all right. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So much to talk about. So little time. Let's just start with the wild card games, I guess. And a good starting point would be last night's game. You know, uh, I, I don't know if you caught some of our conversation between Gino and I. We had commented on Ron Darling's comment about using an opener versus a starter. On the broadcast before the game started, he said, you know, the thing with the opener is you're asking six or seven guys to be near perfect, you know, to be on their game. And I think we kind of saw that yesterday where a couple of guys just weren't on, the, on their game. And that was enough for the Yankees to uh, take advantage. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where... You're asking you know six seven guys to to be really perfect on their game, but it also forces you to put in guys who really you know are a little shakier. If the A's had say gotten even four or five innings out of out of a traditional starter, Edwin Jackson, Trevor Cahill, etc., then they can line it up and say, okay, you know, let's go Trevino, let's go Familia, let's go uh, let's go Trinan at the end. You're only really using three or four relievers, and you can mix and match. Just have more options by going this route. You really limit. Uh, your ability to have any flexibility, and before you know it, oh hey, we have to now put Fernando Rodney in a two nothing game, and fairly predictably he imploded. He'd been terrible all September. Uh, this is a big stage, and it's not something Fernando Rodney does well in. I think it's something where the A's uh, were already, you know, on the ropes, if you will. They were, they were the, you know, they were playing a better. The Yankees are a better team. They're. A's are on the road. The cards were already stacked against them. And the fact they used the opener is not why they lost the game, but it didn't help. It didn't put them in a better position to win, which I think is something you have to do if you're a team, if you're a team's management, I should say. And in that regard, you know, Oakland management failed to do that. And also, doesn't it, isn't it one of those things, too, where the manager is kind of forced to put some of these guys in positions and predicaments that they've never been in before? You know, I, I think what happened yesterday was that they Bob Melville didn't want the game to get away, so he's got to put in his best pitcher in Trinan in the sixth inning. And he's not a sixth inning pitcher. He's a shutdown kind of pitcher. And, and, you know, so now he's in a different role entirely. I mean, I know all these guys are in different roles, but even with your best pitcher, now you have to use him because you, you don't want to let the game get away from you. Well, I think more than, than, you know, that even, it also would have been one thing if the A's had been doing this, you know, all season or even consistently, you know, they lost a ton of starting pitching, 
but they were able to survive it and using you know the aforementioned guys you know the Trevor Cahills the Edwin Jacksons the Brett Andersons you know acquiring the Mike Fires they were using them in traditional starters roles and having success they only really started messing around with this opener late you know uh, in September with Liam Hendricks giving you one inning and they went four and ten, four and six in the ten times he used an opener this year they didn't do it often they didn't do it well and it really was getting away from what made them successful. And one thing, if they'd been you know, doing it since May and they'd had success and guys had found their roles and found their comfort zones, and instead the A's kind of panicked and pulled a move that, you know, again, it's not why they lost, but it, it didn't help them. And anytime you do something to not help yourself in a playoff game on the road, you have to step back and reevaluate your decision-making process. Absolutely. I've got a quick question for you about the other series. Don't want to spend too much time on that because there's a lot to talk about with uh, the next four matchups. The Cubs, do you think because of their inability to hit and you know over the second half of the season on into their their one and done wild card game, does that make them a really serious player for Bryce Harper? Is the one number one part of the question, the one A part is and do you kind of envision that the Nationals might not be as aggressive because of the development of Juan Soto and Victor Robles and guys like Carter Kaiboom and exciting players that are going to be coming up through the organization making it, ah, we don't have to spend a ridiculous amount of money. We could spread the money on other areas. So it's kind of a one-on-one-A question there. Yeah, so to answer the first part, um, I would say, you know, look, there's going to be interest in Bryce Harper independent of a team's, you know, success, whether that's the Cubs or the Braves or any other team, you know, whether they hit well or not. Um, the opportunity to get, you know, a game-changing, electrifying, middle-of-the-order hitter like that, uh, there's going to be interest. So I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily say that because the Cubs, you know, struggled to score here uh, toward the end of the season, and we saw that here in, in the tiebreaker as well as the wildcard game, that in and of itself isn't what's going to drive their Bryce Harper interest. There, there's interest regardless and, and high interest in, in a bat like that for any team. Um, the second part of the question is, and it's a little bit related, you know, because, oh, hey, we have Juan Soto and Victor Robles doesn't mean you don't sign Bryce Harper. I mean, the hope is, hey, that's your outfield, those three guys. You know, you're a better team with Bryce Harper in your lineup than without. Now, again, you know, if we're talking about, you know, 400 million is a number that's been thrown out in the past. I mean, yeah, you have to make that calculation of, okay, is it really worth it? Um, but again, you mentioned having all those young guys. That's great. Having Bryce Harper still on the team, it helps enhance that. Having him there doesn't block any of those guys or make the Nationals somehow worse. So in a perfect world, you know, you'd be able to do all of it. But, uh, you know, money is finite and, and the Nats are going to have some competition. And, and also it's going to depend on if Harper really wants to return. And there's been no indications either way there. So I expect it to be a heated chase. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll see where it ends up. But I don't think anyone's going to not sign Bryce Harper, save for the Yankees. I don't think anyone's going to not sign Bryce Harper because, oh, we have a young prospect we like. They're going to sign Bryce Harper and make the prospect work around that. Oh, we've been seeing a lot this morning, Kyle, with the uh, the playoff rosters coming out. And I think in the last couple of days, as a Dodger fan, there are a couple kind of interesting moves, um, as, as we would see. We did not see Clayton Kershaw starting game one. They made a, uh, a move. So now we're going to have Hunjin Ryu starting game one, who, who he's been excellent. Just kind of interesting to see when you have the ace like Kershaw through all these years and you're going to move him to game two. And then today with a couple of the last um, – Kind of spots on the on the roster. 
thought it was interesting, and I noticed you made the note too, that Ross Stripling, who had such a great start to the year, he was actually left off the roster, and a spot was given to Madsen, who hasn't really been all that great with the Dodgers since they acquired him. Yeah, you know, so that was always going to be one of the interesting things with how the Dodgers were going to do this. Because, look, their bullpen has had a lot of issues this year. Uh, you know, Kenley Jansen obviously has kind of been the face of that with some of his struggles. But there, there's been a lot of players involved that have really made it a tough year for, on the Dodgers' bullpen. In that regard, I, I was going to be curious to see, you know, we talked about the Astros last year. They had a really similarly, you know, rough, unstable bullpen at the end of games. And the way they fixed that for their postseason run is they took some of their guys who were were starters, you know, Brad Peacock, Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, and put them in kind of long relief roles and let them go three innings, four innings, following a starter. I was going to be curious to see if the Dodgers did that. Hey, let's carry, you know, Alex Wood and Ross Stripling and use that them in those roles rather than a pure relief role. Clearly, the Dodgers went against that and chose the the pure reliever and Ryan Madsen here. It hasn't been good. Um, you know, we'll see if it works or not. I, I think the Dodgers right now understand the bullpen's the weakness of the, of the squad. Um, and I, I, there's two ways to address that. Again, one is moving starters and trying to get length out of them. The other is just putting as many short relievers in as you can and hoping one of them clicks. And it seems like they took option two. Kyle, we got to take a commercial break. Can you hang with us for a few more minutes so we can talk about the other matchups? Absolutely. Outstanding. Great, yeah. Let's go to a break right now. We'll be back with more uh, with Kyle, and then we'll talk some NFL. Don't go anywhere. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We are back with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. It is day one, actually, I guess, NL Divisional Series. We can't really even say day one of the playoffs because this year when we had play-in games, we had wild card games. It's all uh, it's all madness here. So, Kyle, let's let's jump right into it and get some predictions from you. It almost looks like we're, ta- we're dealing with two different sports when you go from the American League to the National League. Some of the heavy hitters in the AL this year, I mean, every team, all of the four teams left, I think you can legitimately say would have an, uh, a strong chance to win the World Series. Let's start with Boston and New York. And remember when you're giving a prediction here that Mike is a major Red Sox fan. So tread lightly with what you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this is going to be a, a heck of a series beyond just, you know, the Yankees-Red Sox lore. I think one of the things you, you really get excited about is the Yankees are now coming up the Red Sox, you know, mostly fully healthy. You know, Judge is back. We saw last night with his big home run that the wrist uh, isn't preventing him from getting to his power anymore. Um, you know, Luis Severino was a lot better than he'd been uh, in terms of some of his second half struggles, though he still ran into a little bit of trouble with his control at times. Um, you know, Delon Bedance has pitched well out of the pen. He's had various rocky moments the last two years. You know, when the Yankees are really at full strength, they're a, they're a good, good team. It's just a lot of times this year they haven't been, especially when they face the Red Sox. Um, you know, it's been close all season, right? The Red Sox took, you know, they went 10-9 and nine against the Yankees this year, just one game difference. It's hard to make a hard and fast prediction here. I think, I mean, both teams have holes. Both teams are so good. This is going to be the best series. I think it's also the most evenly matched series, as even though the Red Sox, you know, kind of blew the Yankees out of the water in terms of regular season records, just given where the teams are right now and how they match up against each other, I think we're looking at a full five-gamer. You know, a lot of people have uh, pointed out that 10-9 and record, but a lot of those uh, Yankee wins came late when it didn't really matter. Uh, when it really mattered, the four-game sweep happened. As a Red Sox fan, that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on here. And, uh, and, and maybe it's given me a little bit of overconfidence that the uh, Sox are going to go in there and win game one with, with Sale. And, you know, I think Price has done a pretty good job in the second half. How is the rotation going to stack up for for the Yankees? Because now that Severino, I mean, it probably puts him at game three, I would suspect. By then, they could be down 0-2. So, Jay Happ is, is going to be the, the number one starter. Um, I mean, that's, that's you know, been pretty much well-assumed, and he's pitched well at uh, and, and Fenway. I think in general, I, I would actually argue the Red Sox right now probably have more rotation questions than the Yankees, just given the health of Sale's shoulder, given, you know, David Price has, has had some well-demonstrated uh, struggles in the postseason. I, I really think, you know, when you look at the Red Sox right now, look, are they, they have more talent, top to bottom. They are the better team. Um, but, you, you know, you just wonder a little bit about the health of everyone. And then that bullpen, you know, it, it's a lot shakier than the Yankees' bullpen. Uh, and, you, you know, we know in the postseason, especially the ability to, to finish and close out games in kind of a lockdown fashion. I mean, that's what can turn a series on a dime as much as anything. So uh, you're right that the Red Sox did own the Yankees for most of the year when it was really still a race. 
and you look on paper, yeah, the Red Sox, you know, have every bit the talent the Yankees do and then some. Um, but again, it's more the ways they match up. And really, I think this game one where we see what Chris Sale comes out is going to go a long way in setting the tone for the rest of the series. Shifting gears to a team that I don't see having any holes, the Houston Astros, that's going to be a really good series with them and the Indians because they're both fundamentally sound. Um, Astros, of course, have proven it. They've done it. They're going to be coming in with all the confidence in the world. Um, you know, the the Indians, you know, they're, they're not a sexy team, but they've got some really, really good players top to bottom. How do you see this series shaking out? Pitchers duels, pitchers duels, pitchers duels. You know, the Astros still have a good offense. It's not as good as it was last year. Uh, I think the Indians' rotation now, uh, not that it's ever not been strong, but uh, just the way everyone's going, the addition, you know, the emergence of Mike Clevenger, again, is just another full-throttled power arm in a starting role. I mean, he's been there before, but this is the year he's really blossomed. I mean, I think we're looking at a lot of 2-1-1-0 games, and again, it's going to come down to, you know, the Indians have not had a bull, good bullpen most of the year. They made some trade deadline acquisitions that helped. Uh, we'll see how that holds up. But I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if we're looking at some, some, some short games and it's just going to come, or low-scoring games, I should say. And, and then was I he, think it's going to be like an error. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, things like, you know, an error on defense, I mean, that's going to make the difference here. And, and you know, the Indians obviously have that great, uh, you know, great, great shortstop, Francisco Lindor, who can turn hits into outs pretty regularly. It's going to, this this is as much of an entertaining series to me, honestly, as, as Yankees Red Sox is going to be. And, uh, you know, we can stack up the talent, but I think this one more than anything is going to come down to execution because there, there's not going to be many chances to score. So who who ends up in the ALCS? And the winner of that? If I had to pick, I, I, I will give it to Red, the Red Sox and the Astros. Uh, and I would pick the Red Sox to beat the Astros. Oh. But at the same time, if it's Yankees and Indians in the ALCS, no one should be shocked. I would not qualify a Yankees victory or an Indians victory as an upset. These are two very, very evenly matched series. And then whether or not it, it's the case, when we shift over to the National League, you have a couple teams who are kind of new faces in the playoff picture, and then you have the Dodgers who were there last year, Game 7 in the World Series, and they had a year that was struggling to get there. Many times it looked like they were not going to make the playoffs, but a team like this is kind of scary because now they have like a new lease on life. How do you handicap the uh, the Dodgers versus the Braves series with Ryu starting Game 1 uh, a little later on this evening? The Dodgers are scary. You know, this is a team that was just decimated by injuries all year, especially early. And then when certain guys got healthy, other guys started struggling a little bit. But we started to see everything kind of come together them, you know, for them there at the end of the season. Uh, you know, they went 19-9 and from September on, uh, their, their best run of the season. And given the fact that it's all kind of coming together at the right time, th- this to me is still the team to beat in the National League. Whether or not that means, you know, they they have, you know, just blow through everyone like they did last year in the NLDS and the NLCS, I, I don't anticipate that. But, um, yeah, I mean, their home, Dodger Stadium, gets way wilder than people give it credit for. They're hot. Uh, you know, they, everything is lining up well for the Dodgers here. And I do expect them to win this series. And then moving forward, we have uh, 
a couple fun teams who, you know, this isn't your normal Rockies team either that we're used to. We're normally used to seeing a Rockies team that just crushes the ball. This offense isn't that great from top to bottom. Their pitching is actually really, really stepped up when they needed them down the stretch. Then you kind of have the opposite with the, the Brewers team who really crushes the ball. They've been led by Yelich, who is just on an MVP type run, and they have a really strong bullpen. So this will be kind of a, a, a tactical matchup with teams that are not similar really in very many ways. Not at all. And again, you know, you look at this, the Rockies have the better strong rotation. The Brewers have the better, uh, the much better bullpen. You know, the offense, there's no question the Brewers have the edge there, although you know that the Rockies guys, you know, can, you know, hurt you at any time. I think what's been most impressive to me about the Rockies this season, and this is, you know, it's hard to quantify this, but just their survivability. I mean, this is a team that, you know, in late June was in fourth place in the NLS, was under 500, seven games out. You look like, oh, yeah, this is not a contending team this year. Then they go 13-3 and three going into the All-Star break and put themselves right back in contention. You know, they go into L.A. here in September and kind of a must-win series get swept. And you say, okay, you know, that was it. The, the Rockies, that's pretty much the end of them. Then they come back out and win 9 of 10 and force a one-game playoff. I mean, the Rockies, you know, and then even into the wild card uh, um, game where, you know, they, they lose to the Dodgers in the one-game tiebreaker, have to fly to Chicago and pull out a win in 13 innings. I mean, this team just keeps on surviving every time you think they're done. And that's something that's really, really impressive to me and, and will serve them well, you know, on the road against a good opponent in Milwaukee. Um, I, you know, I talk about the other series are much sexier. This one has the potential to just kind of be the most fun with, you know, a never say die team and another team that can just roll arm after arm after arm out. And you've got MVP candidates on both sides and Yelich and Arenado. So bottom line, who's in the NLCS and who wins? Brewers and Dodgers, and I pick the Dodgers. Dodgers Red Sox World Series. That would be a dream. Oh, we'd love that. We would love oh, it my. here on the Mike Avedere show. Oh, sure. you know, we got a Gino's a Dodger fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. I think uh, m- the Major League Baseball, uh, uh, you know, higher ups would probably love it. Who wins that Agreed. series? Who's the winner between the Dodgers and the Red Sox? How do you handicap that one? Ah, <sighs> you know, I. So based on everything we see right now, uh, I would pick the Red Sox. Um, but before the season, I did pick the Dodgers to win the World Series. And I feel like I can't jump off of that right now as they actually get into the playoffs. My, my preseason prediction was, was Dodgers over Yankees. That possibility is still alive. Uh, but if we stick with my Dodgers-Red Sox prediction I, I just made here on air, I probably would give it to the Dodgers. Now, this isn't very scientific, but... I can tell you right now, this is what America wants because the Mike Abadir Show put out a poll about a month ago asking the general public to vote on which World Series they most want to see in the Red Sox that and one, the Dodgers. Right. Yeah, it might just be because you and I talk so much about the Dodgers and Red Sox that everybody just, those are the only teams everybody <laughs> hears about. So <laughs> Exactly. Well, hey, Kyle, before we let you go, I want to ask you, do you have a vote for any of the postseason awards? And uh, can you share with us kind of a quick rundown as to who are the MVPs, Rookie of the Years, and Managers of the Years? Sure. So I actually, uh, the, the awards uh, voting is given out on a rotational basis. I actually uh, do not have a vote this year. Uh, Baseball America does have a, uh, a vote for National Rookie of the Year. Uh, my editor, J.J. Cooper, is handling that this year. So uh, he's got that this year. I've got, I'm on the voting schedule for next year on the rotating basis. But, uh, 
If I was voting this year, I mean, Yelich, National League MVP, Betts, American League MVP, AL Rookie of the Year, Shohei Otani, NL Rookie of the Year, Ronald Acuna, Cy Young, uh, give me Jacob deGrom out, out in the National League, and uh, Blake Snell in the American League. Nice. Wow. Beautiful. Quick hitters. Perfect. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, does uh, Melvin or Cora get uh, Manager of the Year for you? You know, I'm, I might end up giving it to Mel- Bob Melvin for them to, you know, win 97 games. And they had a lot of people coming and going throughout the year in the lineup and throughout the pitching staff. I think just the way he handled everything and juggled everything, I, I probably do give it to Bob Melvin. And actually, I got one more question. I keep saying we got one more question. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. If the, Yankees, if the Yankees had, oh, outstanding, really appreciate that. Uh, if the Yankees had lost yesterday, you'd have a 100-win team losing. Do you think there would be, I mean, I know there already is some noise, but do you think there would even be more noise for a reseeding where you maybe take top five records, the bottom two of the top five face off in the wild card game, something like that? I don't think we'll see that. Major League Baseball is trying to put a tremendous amount of importance on winning your division, and rightfully so. So I don't. I think that's something that fans like to talk about on the blogosphere. Um, but I, I would be very, very, very surprised. Uh, you know, never say never, but um, I, that's not something that Major League Baseball, uh, I would imagine, is really seriously considering. Winning the division, the way that the game is structured right now, that's of the utmost importance, and, and they like that, and, it's, and they've had success with that model. I don't expect that to change. Good stuff. Outstanding. Kyle well, Blazer, yeah, he, Baseball America. Kyle, um, let us know, because I know once uh, these games start tonight, a lot of us are on social media. We're on Twitter. You're a great follow. Where can we find you, and what are you working on right now? Uh, Kyle A. Glazer. Uh, that's at Kyle A. Glazer on Twitter. And uh, we've got our uh, Baseball America Player of the Year story coming out tomorrow. So keep an eye on that. We'll have that release. And then uh, some postseason coverage here as we move uh, into the Division Series and the Championship Series. And that's what's going on on my end. We've got other good stuff. You know, on the college side, our college writer just put together some great recruiting rankings. Uh, our uh, high school writer is, uh, put, you know, getting ready, gearing up for the draft class for the next year finishing up the summer and fall showcases so whether you like the draft college baseball you know the minors mlb we've got it all here at baseball america and just uh keep checking us out on the website subscribe to the magazine and follow us on twitter we're everywhere good stuff hey if your prediction of dodgers red sox comes through uh hopefully we can have you back on to talk about the world series outlook oh anytime happy to jump on anytime with you guys appreciate it very much thank you so much kyle no problem thanks for having me Enjoy the playoffs. That was Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Oh, so we got two minutes before the break. Let's give our quick predictions before okay. we take a break. And then we come back. We'll talk. And uh, the last segment, we'll have NFL and uh, NFL picks and stuff with Monique. Okay, so, rip through it. Go for it. Yeah. So for me, I'm going Astros, Red Sox. I'm going. This is where you're going to get upset with me. I'll go Astros. And I'm actually going to go Dodgers. Rockies is where I'll I'll have my upset. I think the Dodgers will beat the Rockies, and I'm going to go with the the World Series rematch from last year. Dodgers Astros. Hard to argue there. You know, if I wasn't a fan of any team, I'd probably say that the Astros are the best team in baseball. That's how and, I feel. And yeah. and my gut tells me that the winner of the Brewers and Rockies is going to make it out of the NL. That's what my gut tells me. But my brain tells me something different. And my heart tells me something different. So I'm really, really conflicted because I've got three different 
matchup. So Red Sox beat the Yankees. Astros beat the Indians. Red Sox prevail over the Indians. Brewers prevail over the Rockies. Dodgers annihilate the Braves. And Dodgers, just because they're so good, prevail over the Brewers. And it's going to be Dodgers, Red Sox. That's the one I want. That's the one we want. You know? Yeah. That's the one we want. And, and, and that- here's the thing. When when it's such a close contest all the way through, all the, all the playoff series, really, I, I'd, I'd say outside of Atlanta, maybe I'm underestimating Atlanta, but um, then, then I kind of have to go with what I'm really hoping for, right? Because sure. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another. So I'm going to say Dodgers, Red Sox, World Series, Ultimate East versus West. This is the matchup people want to see. The colors, I know it's kind of stupid, but the colors are really cool. The, the 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 uniforms are really cool. The stadiums are really cool. Everything about it would be super. You and I super. are really cool. Well, you know we're, I mean? we're really cool, cool too. We're just but you cool know what guys. would not be cool? What would not be cool would be Indians and Rockies. Oh Indians yeah, we don't want that. Braves, <laughs> no, something we don't like want that. that. That's no. not cool. So we don't want that. We don't that, want that. that. That's kind of what I'm hoping for here. So, so I hope so. at least one of our teams makes it all the way through, and we uh, we still have them to root for as we uh, as we continue on. Let's get ready for our final break. When we come back, it's going to be football. We'll recap the uh, the record so far with our plays of the week. And we're going to bring in Monique to give a couple of her plays for this week. So stay tuned. We're coming right back with some NFL talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking public land elk hunting, calling tips, locating the secret spots bulls love, calipers that fill the freezer, ammunition that performs, and more. Joining us is Mitch Petrie, Vice President of Programming for Outdoor Sportsman Group, and Steve West of Steve's Outdoor Adventures. Jim and Trav's Elk Quest 2018 is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Let's hunt. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I think this has become our, uh, our most popular segment now, Mike, because every week people know that at the end of the show, they're going to get some football picks, NFL selections. Mike, Monique, and Gino, we welcome the Parlay Queen coming off of a 1-1-1 one, one one week uh, last week, Monique, and I think you have three plays for us coming up this week. First of all, hi, how are you doing? And up, Monique? Uh, Hi, guys. I'm doing very well. I've been uh, staying up very late with all the baseball on the East Coast, but I will never, ever, ever complain with that. I will be happy with that for the rest of my life. If we can have games of this caliber for the remainder of the season, it's going to be an amazing postseason. So excited, you, you, but a little bit tired. you getting any action in on the baseball uh, side of things? Yeah, I have been. I have been. Uh, it's tough, these wild card games, especially when you like the Yankees. It's, you know, if you want to take the Yankees run line, sure, but I mean... Because I mostly like to bet like hits or just straight money line. It's been it's been tough thus far, but yeah, it's been it's been amazing. But I'm very excited to be betting like more of the futures, just who I like to win, and then when we start getting more of not just a one game playoff. So it's gonna be exciting, and yeah, definitely gonna have some action. But so wait, who even... do you root, who do you root for? The Blue Jays or the Yankees? She's a Nola guy, from oh. what I remember. That's your Definitely guy, right? Not the Blue Jays, <laughs> and you're right. It's it's nobody. I try to stay as unbiased as possible. So okay. nobody, but I mean, if our if my Blue Jays were half decent, I'd I'd have to go with the Blue Jays. But definitely try to stay away from any type of bias. So you're an Expos fan, basically, because they're not even good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How to <do> know? Oh. <laughs> great, great. Well, let let's jump into this week uh, NFL, and you actually have. Two of your plays are going to come in the same game. That's right. I'm, I'm liking the Falcons this week. Uh, Falcons plus three and a half, and then their team total over 25 and a half. Now, the Falcons lost a shootout last week to the Bengals, and there definitely wasn't an offensive issue. They managed to put up 36 points. Now, I think it's pretty similar in the sense that I think they're going to be putting up points this week. Uh, Matt Ryan finds himself versus another defense prone to giving up yardage and points. Now, on the defensive end, this is where I'm a little bit more concerned because the Falcons are a super banged-up team. But I do think they should be able to put up some points on a Steelers team that's just been perpetually disappointing this year, and they just really haven't had those points, those crucial points, and those crucial drives to get them to win. So I like the Falcons with the points, but I mostly like their team total. I think it's a little bit low. Yeah, we've seen the Steelers defensively. They are just... Miserable, I think, is a kind way uh, of putting it. So, two plays in that game: the Falcons plus three and a half, the Falcons team total over twenty-five and a half, and uh, then you have one more play. I do, and that's Broncos team total over twenty and a half. Now, Denver being road dogs are totally understandable. They've been one in ten over their last eleven road games, and they're also playing on a short week. So, as much as I want to take them to win outright, I think the team total is a little safer now. On Monday night, uh, on the defensive end, holding the high-scoring Chiefs to 13 points through three quarters is ultra-impressive. And I expect their defense to continue to be aggressive. And I think that's where they'll come in very handy and maybe could win the game outright. I think they're definitely going to be able to force more mistakes as Darnold. A lot of defenses have been able to do so. 
I think great defense often leads to very good offensive opportunities. So I expect that to be the case on Sunday. That is the Broncos team total there over 20 and a half. So, uh, Monique, what we saw after, I think probably one of the, the maybe only bad weeks that we've ever had with you, bounced back with a 1-1-1 one, one, one week last week that could have very easily uh, been even better than that. And so far, doing well on the, the full season. Um, three plays, Falcons plus three and a half. Falcons team total over 25 and a half. Broncos team total over 20 and a half. And this is a fun weekend because we'll have lots of football, college. And now, Monique, I know one thing that we, when last year, too, with basketball coming up, basketball starting even earlier this season. So lots you get involved in a lot of props when it comes to basketball players. I know you uh, you play a lot of either, um, you know, total points, rebounds, assists, things like that. So with basketball coming in, there are going to be even more options on that wagering menu. I know. It's, it's October. you got to love it. Best time of the year for sports, October and March. and then. But, I mean, October obviously has the edge because everyone loves postseasons and everything. So, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a very exciting month and obviously excited for basketball, just filling my entire day with just a whole bunch more plays and just game slates the whole afternoon and whole evening. Can't complain with that. So definitely my favorite time of year. Let's not forget, let's extend October out just by a few days, and uh, include the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. That's right. That's also another amazing, amazing wagering time. Just the pools are so big, and just the top race, top horses in the world just competing, and just it's an awesome time of year, and can't wait for that as well. It's just October is just the best. At Parlay Queen on Twitter, you can find her work with covers and America's Best Racing, some stuff this weekend um, when you look on her Twitter feed. So check out the Parlay Queen, Monique. Thank you very much again, Monique, and we'll talk to you next week with some plays. Thanks, Monique. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to next week already, but hopefully hopefully we have a really good week this week for all of us, and then, yeah, carry it on over for the rest of the season. Trying to go 3-0 and this week is the Parlay Queen. Thanks, Monique. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Okay, Mikey, so now uh, Monique is on the season 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. Um, I think you are four, three, and two, and I actually had a good week last week, which propelled me up to nine and five, which you and I were talking about it. I didn't even want to talk about it very much on the air because it was like a laughable, like how I, I mean, I've had games and weekends where I would play every game, you know, all 16 games. I've had games, weekends where I would play five. I mean, even in college where I'd have be either betting or on, on the receiving end of bets where I'd be involved in like 15, 20 different wagers. I don't think I've ever had a weekend where I was on the right side of three games like I was last weekend. I literally had hit every game within a point of the spread, within a half point of the spread. I've never seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that. Here's the funny (laughs) thing. Here's the funny thing. I was actually going to give you some brotherly advice, right? And I was going to cite a stat for you. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I got, a, I got a stat for you that I think you're going to like. Here it is. In the NFL, the point spread is meaningless 83% of the time. What, what, <laughs> Not what, that 17. <laughs> and, what, and what that means is if, let's just say, you, you like uh, a team that's plus six, uh, the He's winner. to win. The winner, yeah, the win, the winner wins irregardless of the spread. Sure, yeah. So in the NFL, you're pretty much picking winners. Point spread doesn't come into play that much. Somehow, 
you not just refuted that, but on three games, you are on it the was, right side of a half point. But hey, you know how crazy three and O is three and O though. It don't matter it if you're on the right side by a half point or by a blowout twenty points. And when you're watching those games, like so many things had to have gone like just for the Raiders to have an opportunity to even win the game. Yeah. There were a couple bad calls. There were a couple questionable calls, and, and that was hilarious. And there had to be an, a missed extra point in the one in order for the Lions game to only be at two. You know, it was just amazing. It, it was just it was hilarious. But that's that, what's that's great a about. great point. That's a great point because the, when when you handicap, you know, for point spreads, you have to factor those things in yeah. order. Right, and I'll give you a great example of that. Um, and I, I'm a little bit sour grapes about. Two, my two losses for last weekend, and I'll, uh, I'll briefly explain why. But being on the right side of the point spread, I'll give you the, the Chargers game as an example. On paper, it's a two-point game, right? They, sure. uh, they end up winning the game 29-27, uh, or is it? Yeah, 20, yes, yeah. I think it was that, yeah. 29-27, right? They missed an extra point like you talked about in another game, right? And that's where the it's why it's not three points and why it's two-point differential. But they also got had the ball on the eight-yard line to end the game, and they started downing it. Yep. Right. So it's the point spread is so finicky. You make a kick, and if there's maybe another 40 seconds on the clock where they can't down it, maybe they hand off, maybe they score, boom, you're at the 10 points. Right. And that's how, like, there's a fine line in the point spread, and it could be the differential of, it can make up the gr- ground on a lot of points. I mean, that's oh, yeah. points right there where it could have easily gone the other way. I do want to quickly mention the Miami game. I'm not sure if everybody saw this game or not, but. I was actually the one being a proponent for money line the Dolphins to win. Obviously, when you look at the scoreboard, that's absolutely a terrible prediction, a joke on my end that I'd even go that route. But And I'm not making an excuse, but why that game got away and out of hand was their starting center got hurt. And right yeah. when they brought in their backup, Kilgore, uh, he zipped one right above the head on a snap uh, over Tannehill's head, uh, recovered by, by New England in uh, deep uh, Miami territory, and pretty much after that, they, they lost their mojo entirely. They were I not agree. able to get anything going on the ground, on the in the air. Um, they just is, pretty much fell flat. As much as I couldn't handicap the first three Miami games and get a feel for who they are, I feel the exact same way after that game because I think obviously the Miami Dolphins are some combination of the game of the team that we saw winning their first three games and then losing that game. I don't think they're maybe as good as they were winning in their first couple, and they're definitely not as bad as they were losing that game. So, And I think yeah. that's what makes this uh, upcoming matchup a really, really good oh, one yeah. because I feel the same way about the Bengals. I don't I know agree. if they're as good as their record, uh, but it, in order to get to win three out of four games at the NFL level, it means you're doing something right. You're yes. ma- not making that many mistakes. So I think it should be a pretty fun matchup, and it's going to be an important one in the AFC in terms of having a tiebreaker, and that's really big in the NFL. You want to win your conference games. And so this should be a pretty fun matchup. It's early, but we talk about these. We talk about the AFC as being weak, and these are two teams that could be like battling around for a wild card spot. Yes, too. Exactly. With as good as their season started, so you're right. This is a big game head to head. So go ahead, Mike. We only have like three minutes. Go ahead and give us your plays. My top two plays are the New York Jets plus one and Detroit plus one. Love those two games. In addition, I'm going to take Kansas City minus three, Cleveland plus three, and Oakland plus five. That's where okay. I land. So okay, Jets, I Jets, Detroit, Oakland, Cleveland, Kansas City. Jets, Detroit, Oakland, Cleveland, KC. We have one the same. I'm with you on the Browns, plus the three. 
we we both don't we're both not really too high on the Ravens, so I, I'm going to play against the Ravens a lot of the time um, when it looks like it's a good spot to. Plus, to, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I think it's like 76 percent of the public is on the Ravens, and typically 76 percent of the public isn't beating the the book. Yeah. I'm, I'm a contrarian, I'm, so that's kind of no, no. I'm, and, and that's how you're, you've seen a lot of the, the last couple of weeks. As my records kind of started to shift positive, is that we've gone a little bit more contrarian. Look, look at the first three plays that I have: the Browns plus three, the Bills plus three and a half, and the Cardinals plus four. I'm putting my faith in the Browns, the Bills, and the Cardinals. You know, and this really has more to do with what we were talking about: the point spreads and the lines that just look a little, a little fishy to me versus actually backing the team. So. Browns plus three, Bills plus three and a half, Cardinals plus four. I'm going to take the Texans minus the three versus Dallas. I just think they're better, so I'll take those three. And then we will go head up, head up in the Packers game. You're going to go Detroit, and I'm going to play the Packers minus the one. You're going to take the Lions at, uh, at home plus the one. So that'll be, um, I think, our third head-to-head matchup of the year so far. You are 2-0 and in our beer matchups. So, so far, I owe you two beers, and uh, hopefully I can... I can narrow the margin this week and, and get it to two and one. Good stuff, man. Fun, fun, fun conversations today. Good show, man. yeah. Lot, lots to, with Kyle. We always have a great time with Monique, and we are just about a, a minute away from the end of the show. So what's crazy is we finished this show, and in the baseball playoffs, especially in, in a five-game series, so much, next week, everything's different. Right, like everything that we predicted or talked about, we could have been all right or all wrong. Generally, in a, like in an NBA series, a week you still have half the series left. That's not the case in a, in MLB. Exactly right. Exactly right. And uh, for the live listeners on the show, the uh, game one of the playoffs uh, of the divisional round of the playoffs uh, was going to be starting up here uh, within the hour. At 1 o'clock, Rockies Brewers should be a good one. For the on-demand listeners, you got our predictions. You got our picks. Have an outstanding sports weekend and enjoy it. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.